but always good to be here. Pastor And um, I have not seen too much Olympic games uh, this time, but I've seen a, a few things. It's always, uh, um, you know, something moving us when we see young people, you know, doing what they do. Because uh, they know, of course, we don't know how much work it is to get to the level on which they compete. Apostle Paul uh, watched Olympic Games and was inspired to say a, a few things about winning the prize, you know, pressing forward, moving forward, exercising. And in, in reality, what we're doing here, we are not just trying to get in shape uh, so we can win, uh, you know, gold. We are trying to, to, to get eternal life through Jesus Christ. And uh, in, in a way, we are all running the race. Can you hear me better? And I find especially, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm inspired by the stories like uh, there was uh, a man who served in the military and he lost his right hand in a grenade accident du during military exercise. But he learned how to shoot with his left. After this military service, he went on to win Olympic gold. And one a man who was paralyzed by polio at the age nine, but he relearned how to walk and became an Olympic high jump champion. You know, stories like that it just inspire us. Even during this Olympic Games, 13 years old, winning, uh, you know, gold, and some other, you know, people that are winning gold for the very first time for their country, first time in history. It's exciting, you know, when, when you train yourself, when you dedicate yourself so fully, we can look at, at these athletes and think about our spiritual mar marathon that we are running, our spiritual journey, our exercises that we do. Yes, we heard thousands and thousands of, of times about the plan of, of salvation. We think we know about it, but we need to hear it again and again. Amen. And support one another on this walk. You know, like a lot of times, uh, it's very difficult to do something by yourself. And so, so important to have friends who walk beside you. And when y you cannot walk anymore, they, they, they can carry you. I have a question, and we will start. Uh, it's about the Battle of the Valley of Elah, and we will read from First Samuel, uh, and we will be in chapter 17. You can see on the screen or in your Bible, but Dan is going to read from his Bible, and so go ahead, Dan and help me out uh, to read those verses. And it's going to be from 
one to three. So we will go in a, in a slow motion. <laughs> Elder Dan. So you can sit right here when I will continue to preach and then come and read for us. I'll be reading from the Net Bible. 17, one to three. The Philistines gathered their troops for battle. They assembled at Soka in Judah. They camped in, in Ephes Damian between Soka and Azekah. Saul and the Israelite army assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah, where they arranged their battle lines to fight against the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill and the Israelites on another hill with the valley between them. Okay. Let's pause for a second. Oh, you, you, you can stay with me. You will be reading the whole chapter. And uh, so what do, we, what do we have here? We have a so familiar story that when you go to the uh, Sabbath school as a kid or Sunday school as a kid, this is the story definitely you're not going to miss, right? Even those people that never went uh, to the Bible school as kids, they know about this story. It's a story about David and Goliath. And my question to you is, who killed Goliath? David. I, I like your answers, but let, let's pause uh, with the answer. I love your answer, and let's see from the scripture what the scripture is going to tell us. So this is the map of the place, and it's the valley of Elah. Israelites' army on one side, and they were facing Philistine army on the other side. And what separated them was the valley, you know, very flat, uh, surface and uh, apparently something was going on they were not fighting and in bronze uh, age uh, I found out that um, this is exactly how they fought they would choose one man a champion one who won many many battles so in bronze age the armies were not fighting whoever wins the ba battle it's the ba battle between two Man, whoever wins the battle win, wins, the army is going to have a win too, basically. It, it would have been nice that this would continue, especially during these big wars that we had, World, World War I or II, Hitler, you know, facing Stalin, and, and let them fight instead of millions and millions of people who sacrificed their lives and, or lost their, their lives. So, so that's what we see here. Goliath was coming and taunting the army of the Israelites. Let's read uh, until, uh, from verse 4 until verse uh, 7. Then a champion came out from the camp of the Philistines. His name was Goliath. He was from Gath. He was close to seven feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was wearing scale body armor. 
The weight of his bronze body armor was 5,000 shekels. He had bronze shin guards on his legs and a bronze javelin was slung over his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the iron point of his spear weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer was walking before him. So he was a giant. He was a tall man. And uh, many translations that I checked, uh, it, he was actually nine feet and nine inches. Nine feet, nine. And I wanted to demonstrate it with, you know, using this, uh, this stick. I'm about six, and uh, Greg said this is probably four and a half. So I take the half off and put it, you know, close to my head. And so I would be looking at his face this way. But of course, David was not even called to serve in, in the military. By the way, I, I'm going to stand here and see. Okay, so his head is going to be above, above this ceiling. So David was not even serving because he was a teenager. He was like 15 years old. So he was not as tall as I am. And uh, when he was looking at Goliath, uh, giant, he was looking you know, up uh, like that. And uh, so the story was that this man was a champion. It means that he won a lot of battles like that. He was very skillful, but he was armed to the teeth. Right, he he had a coat made out of uh, bronze, uh, uh, made out of bronze from the metal, and also a helmet was uh, made out of bronze. And he had spear and javelin, and he had a man actually uh, going in front of him and helping him to carry some of his weapons because they were really really heavy. And when, when you calculate the weight of uh, what Goliath had on him, uh, so his height was six cubits and a span, so that's nine feet, nine inches, bronze helmet, armor, co coat of scale of armor, and weighting 5,000 shekels, 125 pounds. So if you calculate everything that he was wearing, um, uh, that weight was more than David's weight, actually. Uh, iron point of his spear weighted 600 shekels, 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. And now what do we have? Uh, who, who is going to face him? Let's read 8 through 11, verses 8 through 11. Goliath stood and called to Israel's troops, Why do you come out to prepare for battle? Am I not the Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose for yourselves a man, so he may come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and strike me down, we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and strike him down, you will become our servants and will serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy Israel's troops this day. 
Give me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all the Israelites heard these words of the Philistine, they were upset and very afraid. Let's, let's read more, please, right away. Until 16. Okay, 16. Through 16. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse from Bethlehem in Judah. He had eight sons, and in Saul's days he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The names of the three sons who went to war were Eliab, his firstborn, Abinadab, the second oldest, and Shammah, no, Shammah, the third oldest. Now David was the youngest, while the three oldest sons followed Saul. David was going back and forth from Saul in order to care for his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Meanwhile, for 40 days, a Philistine approached every morning and evening and took his position. Until when? That's it. That's, that's good. Thank you very much. So, the Philistines, uh, they are facing uh, Israelites, and every day for 40 days, somebody comes forward to fight from Philistines, and that's Goliath, and he's taunting the, the Israelites. So what kind of tactic is that? Well, um, when you see a giant, what, what, what do you think about the giant right away? Strong, Strong you know, skillful. Um, he's going to kill me, right? So no one dared to step into that fight, into that battle. And here is uh, young David. He is a shepherd. He is just a boy. Probably most scholars think he's like 15 years old. He never fought any, anybody like that before. But he doesn't like one thing. He doesn't like what this giant is doing. He doesn't like what he is saying. Especially if, if you want to offend somebody... Um, and if you say something about their God, that's the most offensive. You know, um, if you're a Muslim or if you're a Christian or, or, or you believe in any religion, that's sacred to you, right? God, God's name is sacred. God's reputation is very sacred. So what is at stake here is God's reputation, God's character, God's power. Who is more mighty, Goliath, Satan, or God? So, two sides facing each other. Maybe you are facing giant right now in your life. Goliath is a, is a champion. Maybe you feel that you're not prepared to, f to face your giant. You're not equipped. You're not skillful enough. You don't have enough power. But David didn't, he was weak and he didn't have enough power. But if you are with God, if I am with God, we are the most powerful, unstoppable people. Goliath stood and shouted profanities. 
Any volunteers? Here is an obstacle. Here is a, a, a big wall, intimidating, threatening. It looks dangerous. I might even say I would be terrified and deeply shaken. Because David maybe didn't know Goliath. Maybe he didn't know how skillful he is. For 40 days, every morning and evening. And David got at the, at the end of this, right? At the end of this 40 days period. Let's see uh, what the scripture says more. 17 through 19. 17 through 19. Jesse said to his son David, Take your brothers as ephah of roasted grain in these ten loaves of bread. Go quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten portions of cheese to their commanding officer. Find out how your brothers are doing and bring back their pledge that they receive the goods. They are with Saul and with the whole Israelite army in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Uh, let's read more, more a little bit until 21. 21. So David got up early in the morning and entrusted the flock to someone else who would watch over it. After loading up, he went just as Jesse had instructed him. He arrived at the camp as the army was going out to battle lines, shouting its battle cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up their battle lines opposite one another. So as we can see, David, uh, he's just a messenger from the father. He, he, he just wants to see how the brother's doing. And he wants to bring him, uh, them something to eat. And of course, not only to them, but to their commanding officer, which, which is a good gesture, good gesture. So the father um, um, sent David just to carry a little bit of food and just to, to see how the brother's doing. Not to fight, of course. Father never even thought that David, his little boy, is going to do something great like that. On that day, David himself didn't know that he is going to do great thing. Right? He didn't know. You don't know what, what you're facing today, this afternoon. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. What kind of giant is going to appear and start, start uh, uh, taunting you. So take the basket, roasted grain, loaves of bread, and carry them, them to your brothers. Small task, little task. You know, um, it's interesting what, what goes next in this story. Let's read more. Uh, let's read 22 through, uh, uh, through 25. 22 through 25. After David had entrusted his cargo to the care of the supply officer, he ran to the battlefront. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were doing. As he was speaking with them, the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, was coming up from the battle lines of the Philistines. He spoke the way he usually did, and David heard it. 
When all the men of Israel saw this man, they entreated from his presence and were very afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? He does so to defy Israel. But the king will make the man who can strike him down very wealthy. He will give him his daughter in marriage, and he will make his father's house exempt from tax obligations in Israel. So the king offers great rewards. How great it is? What does it mean to marry the daughter of the king? You become a prince, royal family. You are part now of the king's family. Who knows, maybe under circumstances you will be given a great position in, in the kingdom. What else? Even today, tax relief or not to pay tax is quite a, a, a great proposition. Imagine your family would never have to pay tax. That's a huge reward for anyone who kills this giant. And yet for 40 days, nobody stood in front of this man. Nobody was tempted enough to do what David did. So let's read a little bit more of this story, 26 through 27 and 20, uh, 29, until 29. 26. Sorry. <laughs> David asked the men who were standing near him, what will be done for the man who strikes down this Philistine and frees Israel from his humiliation? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the armors of the living God? The soldiers told him what had been promised, saying, This is what will be done for the man who can strike him down. When David's oldest brother Eliab heard him speaking to the men, he became angry in David, with David and said, Why have you come down here? To whom did you entrust those few sheep in the wilderness? I am familiar with your pride and deceit. You have come down here to watch the battle. David replied, What have I done now? Can't I say anything? Uh, yes, that's good. Is it, doesn't it sound the same as uh, during the uh, Sabbath school earlier? We were talking about Joseph and his relationship with his brothers. So what's going on here? Why the brother is angry or why is he talking like this? So there is something going on between the brothers and inside of the family. Like we were talking today that we have dysfunctional families. Many of us coming from dysfunctional families. Instead of being thankful that the brother came from home, brought the food and, and, and uh, greetings from the father, uh, the, the brother is angry. Did it happen just now, on the first time? Look at the verse uh, 28 and 29. Um, 
he's talking about pride, deceit, uh, that the, his brother just wanted to see the battle. But 29, it says, what have I done now? It's like, this is not the first time, right? Yeah. This hap something happened before. He's always in trouble with his brothers. So let's read uh, 30 until uh, 33. Then he turned from those who were nearby to someone else and asked the same question, but they gave him the same answer as before. When David's words were overheard and reported to Saul, he called for him. David said to Saul, Don't let anyone be discouraged. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied to David, You aren't able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're just a boy. He has been a warrior from his youth. Yeah, talk, talking to the king, um, how do you feel he did? Don't worry about this Philistine. Um, well, David spent a lot of time with sheep, right? He, he's not very skillful in um, uh, being polite or being, you know, in front of the king. That's probably his first time in life. But he says, don't worry about this Philistine. I will go and fight him. And Saul, of course, understands that, that that's ridiculous. I like the translation here. It says, it's ridiculous. There is no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he has been a man of war since his youth. Okay, let's read 34 and until 39. David replied to Saul, your servant has been a shepherd for his father's flock. Whenever a lion or bear would come and carry off a sheep from the flock, I would go after it, strike it down, and rescue the sheep from its mouth. If it rose up against me, I would grab it by its jaw, strike it, and kill it. Your servant has struck down both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David went on to say, The Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear will also deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his own fighting attire and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also put body armor on him. David strapped on his sword over his fighting attire and tried to walk around, but he was not used to them. David said to Saul, I can't walk in these things, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Thank you. So, uh, David is not bragging, so I, I can ki kill this giant because I've killed you know, some beasts before, he's just given his credentials. He's saying, you know, I'm not just a boy. I've done some things in my life. And I think that that is so true. You don't kill the giant. You start with something much smaller. You start with facing small obstacles. 
and then you can, you can face your giants. So lion and bear, I have not faced real <laughs> lion and bear in, in the wild. Um, though I've been to Tanzania and I was in the park, so you are sitting in a jeep, uh, in, in, a, in a car, and the lion is next to you, not behind the cage. But I learned the lions would never attack un unless they're hungry. And, and those lions that we saw, the, the whole family, they were lazy, they were fed, and they, they basically, they, they had no, they had no energy to run, even though zebras were next to them, antilopa, you know, um, and, and, you know, animals do not do things that are foolish. And uh, so it was not scary for us to be there. But th David was facing a lion that was dangerous, bear that was attacking him, and he overcame those obstacles. And then uh, Saul decided, okay, if you've done something like that before, here is my armor. Saul was a tall man. If you remember reading about him, he was above the shoulder of, above the, the head of uh, all the others, shoulder high. And so his armor was big, especially for David, who was just 15 years old. So David said, I never used before anything like that, and I'm not going to use it now. So what does it mean? It means that whatever you have is enough to fight your problems. Whatever you have, you know, whatever armor you have with you is enough. And that's what David did. What did he have? Yeah, let, let's read this text, uh, 40 and uh, just 40, if you may, please. He took his staff in his hand, picked five smooth stones from the stream, placed them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, took his sling in hand, and approached the Philistine. So I had something like that that I made myself when I was a kid, but that's not what he used. That's just for, for, for kids, you know, this type of uh, sling. What he used was this. It's a rope, long rope, creates a much faster speed. Uh, once you let it go, you let go one of the strings, and then the rock flies exactly where you want to, to put it. And David, as a shepherd, had lots of practice. He was exceptional mus musician because he had lots of time, right? But I believe he was an exceptional also as, as uh, you know, as the one who would use slings. Slings were used in Bronze Age. We're talking about uh, 1100 uh, uh, years uh, before Jesus Christ. So that's appropriate that he would be using something like that. The only thing is that the text is saying who killed the Goliath. And it's not David. It was God. The battle belongs, it says, the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, the only place, little small place on the body that was not 
protected. The only one place where Goliath would be dead if, if David would strike him with, with a rock was forehead. All the other things, uh, bronze, metal, you know, you put a ding, ding there or, you know, uh, small things, it's not, it's not going to kill you. It's going to hurt, but you're not going to kill. So it had to be specific place, specific speed of the rock. And it would be a very lucky shot if you have to use the long distance, you know, a Goliath was coming and uh, David was, I don't believe that he was just lucky. I believe that it's because of the Lord. It, the, because the battle does belong to the Lord. Let's read 41 and uh, through 45. The Philistine, with his shield-bearer walking in front of him, kept coming closer to David. When the Philistine looked carefully at David, he despised him, for he was only a ruddy and handsome boy. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you are coming after me with sticks? Then the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come here to me, so I can give you your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the field. But David replied to the Philistine, You are coming against me with a sword and spear and javelin. But I am coming against you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel's armies whom you have defiled. So if I would ask you the same question I asked you before, uh, from the beginning, who killed the Goliath? How would you answer? God. It is God. Let me just read this quick. Today the Lord will conquer uh, you and uh, I, I will kill you and I, I cut you off uh, from your head. That's Goliath said, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that this is God of Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. And Goliath moved closer, and we know what happened, the rock flew, and Goliath went down. Uh, David came, took his sword, Goliath's sword, cut his head off. David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. You come to me with a sword, and I, and with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in what? With what? In the name of the Lord of hosts. When we are here on this planet, we represent God's army. We represent David. Uh, David trusted God. He trusted that God is going to fight for him, through him. And that happened. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
I would like to say a couple things at the very end. Uh, uh, I believe that David represents Jesus Christ. In this story, he represents Jesus Christ who actually fight for God's army. Jesus Christ came and sacrificed his life to us. And when I'm thinking about Goliath, who Goliath represents? The enemy of Jesus. The enemy of God's people. So that's maybe Satan. Yes. And who overcame Satan on the cross by sacrificing his life? It is, it is Jesus, Jesus, the son, the son of God. When Satan thought, oh, there is a victory. We crucified God, the son of God. And instead of uh, celebrating victory, he um, understood, I believe, understood at the end that that was, that was defeat. The greatest defeat of Satan. And there are angels that immediately turned to, to, to Christ. And, and angels that joined the forces of Christ. They were undecisive until the cross. So David represents anybody who trusts God. You can be David today. But I also think that when you think about it, Goliath represents us. We are sinful, right? We are giant sinners. Paul said, I am the, the biggest, the greatest sinner of all. And what's the cure for a sinner? How to change the sinner? The only way is to, to kill the sinner. The sinner must die and then be changed, resurrected, changed into, in a different nature. And so I would like to see this story to give, you know, to tell the story to the kids in a different way. That Goliath actually it's us. And unless we die to our sins, we die to this nature and be resurrected in new body, we we are not going to have eternal life. So it's a reminder for us that sin has consequences. Has to, sinner has to die. And we do it through the sim symbol of baptism when we go under the water. It represents our death when we come up. It represents our resurrection. So I'm looking forward to speak to David when I see him. I would like to ask him questions. How scared he was when he stepped in front of that giant? And what made him do that? What made him do that? Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word today. For blessing us with this wonderful story of old but also asking us today to become David. Not to be Goliath, not to be a bully to someone, but to be a David. Bless us all today. Bless the food that is prepared for us. We are asking all of it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pavel Rudoy, Moving the Mountains.